The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Every business needs capital, which means higher profits and lower expenses. Are you aware of the various opportunities available for your business in securing capital? Welcome to Small Business Capital America with Michael Schumacher. Michael and his guests, which include experts, suppliers, and thought leaders, will be discussing these options and solutions to help raise your bottom line. Now, here's your host, Michael Schumacher. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Small Business Capital America on the Voice America Network. I'm your host, Mike Schumacher. On our show, we discuss and we analyze the capital issues for the businesses of Main Street, exploring that eternal question, capital, rent it or print it. When I refer to the businesses of Main Street, I'm referring to the small and mid-sized businesses in the U.S. with revenues between $10,000 and $10 million per month. That's our target audience. That's the heart of small business and mid-sized business in America. When I refer to rent with regard to capital, I am talking about borrowing or getting a loan, some form of debt capital being introduced into your business. When I refer to print with regard to capital, I'm talking about profits, and it's not a sin. I'm talking about increasing sales reducing costs, or some combination of those two to create more profit or printed capital, just like a printing machine, we're printing off that cash with profits. As an entrepreneur, I really understand the capital issues and that they're dynamic. And likely, the capital solution for most businesses is a combination or a blend of rented and printed capital. So we're going to borrow and we're going to create profits. With that mix changing, as a business changes and evolves, there's internal things, external pressures, all these evolve the business, and your capital mix needs to change along with it. In this case, what I really mean by mix is I mean leverage. If you look at it, Rented capital or borrowed capital is a multiplier on your printed capital or your profit capital. It's not rented capital plus printed capital, one plus one. It is rented capital times printed capital. There is leverage at its very heart when you use properly blended rented and printed capital. This week's show includes... A number of different topics. First, we want to continue to delve into an overall view of why small business lending isn't recovering with the rest of the economy. It's a big issue. Why and how do we mitigate it? 
The second thing is, talk about a view of capital markets or borrowing, if you would, from the supply side. What do the lenders out there think? What do those investors that invest in small business, what do they think of the market? Probably the most important thing we'll do today is a discussion of revenue advances, a specific kind of loan or debt or rented solution, if you would. Revenue advances, sometimes known as cash advances or merchant cash advances, they have the opportunity, the potential, if you would, to become the most powerful rented leverage capital tool out there. I said they had the promise. We're not there yet. We're going to talk about some of the pluses, the minuses, the pitfalls of revenue advances. But they go back in time forever. These go back hundreds of years in the form of royalties, receiving money today for sales in the future. We're going to have a session on surviving the business loan process. Our team did a video and a little manual on surviving the business loan process. Let's face it, when you put your heart and soul into a business, it can be very emotional, and getting that lifeblood of capital, surviving that business loan process, can be very stressful. We're going to talk about ways to mitigate that stress. We're going to spend some time on how the services of BizDoc and companies like BizDoc can assist you in rented and printed capital. How can we make the process better, and how do we differentiate that? I want to spend a little bit of time, as time will allow, on some key terms. There's nothing more frustrating for any of us than someone who uses industry-specific terms and attempts to talk down to us. So I want to make sure that you know what those terms mean. You're not in a position where you're feeling uncomfortable. You know what they are. You can move right on through them. And we'll talk about upcoming show subjects. Got a lot of subjects coming up. What we do on this show is we talk all things rented and printed capital. We don't do personal finance other than the fact that your business is a large part of your personal finance. And we don't do politics, but we do all things rented and printed capital. Why isn't small business funding recovering with the rest of the economy? We're going to use an August 2014 working paper out of Harvard University authored by Karen Mills to lead that discussion and that review. Who's Karen Mills, you might ask? Well, Karen is the former head of the United States Small Business Administration, the SBA, and she's also a senior fellow at Harvard University's business school. She makes a bold statement, and I think it's really accurate, Lending to small businesses has not returned to levels seen before the financial crisis. Plain and simple. She goes on to attempt to explain some of the reasons and the why, the situation. And she says the situation is not going to improve soon. So we need to deal with this. She's looking specifically in her article, and I think we narrow on that today, in a very narrow view of bank capital not some of these other private solutions, and very specifically for small business. In her article, she spends time describing what she calls the perfect storm that happened with the financial crisis of 2008. And that perfect storm is falling sales, revenues are down, people aren't spending money, 
weakening collateral. The underlying value of your collateral is going down. So now you've got weak collateral, weak sales, and then the lenders are getting risk averse. So you bring those three things together, and that is why we are in the situation we are today. She also talks about some lingering cyclical and structural barriers that will continue to impact this going forward. I want to give you a powerful number. The income of the typical household headed by a self-employed person, an entrepreneur, declined 19% in real terms between 2007 and 2010, and that has not recovered. Think about that, a 19% drop in the real borrowing buying power, real income of households of small and self-employed persons. At the same time, the collateral owned by small businesses has lost value. It's just not as creditworthy as it used to be. So you've got some real powerful things happening. You throw on top of that what's going on with credit, the way businesses pay their bills. Here's a number for you. Paydex, basically a measure of how well businesses pay their accounts payable. In 2011, that Paydex score was 44.7. In 2003, eight years earlier, so after the prior to and after the uh, Great Recession here, that Paydex score in 2003 was 53.4. So it's dropped 8.3 or almost 20%. So in, in a very simplified terms, we're paying our bills 20% slower as small businesses. Here's another number that, that just is a sock in the gut for small business owners, any kind of small business owner. Commercial and residential real estate represents two-thirds, on average, of the assets of small business owners, and that is their collateral. Well, we all know what's happened to real estate. Back now a little bit, but is it really the way it was before? And is it looked at by lenders the same way as it was before? On the supply side, banks have tremendous regulatory pressures. The tightening of loan terms is really, really a problem. The Federal Reserve, when they, when they interviewed or surveyed senior loan officers, found out that for small businesses, the tightening increased by double digits during the recession, and it is only eased up by single digits. So the tightening got twice as bad during the recession, and the release has only gotten one time since. So, community banks, powerful, normal lenders for small businesses. I'll give you a number here. And community banks have been hit hard. We're going to talk about that. Community banks represent 48% of the applications that are approved by, or, sorry, community banks approve 48% of small business applications and big banks approve 13%. Wow. 35% difference, and we're doing that in a time when community banks are declining. Other factors from the banking side, 
they are reducing their capital reserve or they're increasing their capital reserves in accordance with regulatory environment. So think about this. They are going to use they are going to have less money to loan because they increase their capital reserves. Why does that work? How does that work? Because the amount of lendable dollars is calculated by the amount of total capital minus reserves. So the more you increase your reserves, the more you reduce your lendable capital. So another evidence of this whole concept of hoarding cash by the banks is in 2007, the ratio between loans and deposits was 80%. So they loaned out 80% of deposits. Look about it that way. And today, 2012, the most recent data I could find, it was 65%. So deposits are down a little bit and they're not loaning as much. This is a problem. It really gets to this whole community bank concept. So community banks in the mid-1980s, there were about 14,000 of them across the country. Today, we're down to 7,000, half in 30 years. And the concentration in big banks, the big banks, the top 106 now have 80% of the assets. Where, you know, just a mere 10 years ago, not even 10 years ago, the top 116 only had 69% of the assets. So community banks just aren't able to do what they've always been able to do, and this is putting pressure along with the regulatory. And this whole shift means we've got a problem with small business owners. So we need to work smarter. Did you know that the average small business owner, according to the Federal Reserve, spends 25 hours on paperwork for a loan at just one bank? And as we know with the turndowns, they've got to go to two and three banks. That could mean 75 hours working on one loan. These are impossible tasks, and we've got to get smarter. Perhaps, uh, you know, small business loans often defined as oh, below seven, $1 million, they're considerably less profitable than large business loans for a lot of reasons, and we're going to go through some of them really quickly here before break. Small business lending is riskier than large business lending. Makes sense, right? Less revenue to spread against. Assessing the creditworthiness of small businesses can be difficult due to information asymmetry, as they put it. Basically, we don't, as small business owners, have as accurate and detailed of balance sheets, profit loss statements, and tax returns. So we're just not as credit worthy from that standpoint. We're going to go through a few more of these when we come back from the break. I'll see everybody on the other side. Thank you for your time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Welcome back to this segment of Small Business Capital America. Again, I'm Mike, your host. I just want to touch on a few things carried over from before the break, and that is why is why are small business loans so much more less profitable and so much more challenging for the banks? Remember, we talked about small business lending is riskier, and assessing the credit worthy of small businesses is more difficult because of the information asymmetry or simply we're just not as good at bookkeeping. The other reasons why small business lending is more challenging is the cost of underwriting a small business loan is higher. There's just no secondary markets. There's not as many matrix to measure against, so it's more difficult. Do you know that it costs a bank just as much to process a $100,000 loan as it does a $1 million loan, and it's less profitable? No wonder we have a challenge. So we're going to overcome that challenge, and we're going to use, besides banking, we're going to use a series of solutions or an evolution of solutions and private capital, both rented and printed, to get us there. You know, the percentage of small business loans by size, just so everybody has a picture, how much are people asking for? 39% of the loans out there right now are for loans of $50,000 or less. That's what businesses are looking for, those classified as small business. 43% are loans from $50,000 to $500,000, and 18% is for loans of $500,000 or above. So it kind of gives you a sense for the size, and you look back at you know most of those loan requests are for under a million dollars. What do we know? The $100,000 loan costs just as much as the million-dollar loan for the bank, and it's not as profitable. There's the challenge, and uh, we can find the solutions together. I'm going to jump around a little bit on this week's episode. Uh, We were going to talk about capital markets from the supply side. Uh, We're running a little bit strong here, and I've got a lot to cover, so I want to go ahead and uh, hold that till the end. And we're going to talk about revenue advances by far. What I believe has the largest potential to service the small business market is the revenue advance, better known as the cash advance or the MCA. Look, this is basically you get money or a loan today, and they take it out of your future revenues. Not really taking it out of your future revenues, by the way. They're just taking it out of your bank account. Hopefully, the revenues put it in the bank account. So I say this has the potential revenue advances to be the best solution out there. We haven't realized that potential yet. There's some challenges, but think about it. It's streamlined, it's simple, it's efficient. It's all the things that we say are challenges over here a few minutes ago on the banking survey. This can be. We haven't totally caught up with it yet, but I can help you 
others can help you make revenue advances work. So let's talk about those revenue advances. By the way, I do business with hundreds of different cash advance or revenue advance companies. I invited two dozen of them to be on the show. Not one of them would join me. It's just an industry that is fragmented. They, they've grown so fast. They don't know, I don't think, how to capitalize on that promise of how good these could be, how great they could be. Uh, there are thousands, hundreds, excuse me, of entities out there that are originating and doing loans as revenue advances. You can multiply that by what's called syndication by at least five. So syndication is when somebody says, hey, Mr. Lender, I see you're doing that $100,000 loan over there. I'd like to participate as a loan in that loan also. I don't want, I don't want to do the whole 100000 but maybe I'll do 5000 or maybe I'll do 50000 but I want you to manage the process. That's a syndication. So someone who's a loan broker might syndicate to become a direct lender, and they might say, hey, you're doing that loan for my customer for $100,000. I'd like to put in $5,000 of my own money into that deal and help sponsor that loan. That's syndication. If you put those people in there, you take the hundreds of lenders, you multiply it times five, and there are thousands of revenue advanced solutions. The reason, one of the reasons, besides it's a great product and it can be the solution, another reason is, excuse me, capital flow into the space. Private equity companies and hedge funds are throwing money at revenue advance companies. Why? Because the returns on a risk-adjusted basis outpace any other asset class out there. So they can't do as well on the stock market. They can't do as well on the bond market. They can't do as well anywhere else as they can get a return on these revenue advances. So, you know, we all remember economics and we all remember the supply and demand, right? As supply goes up, if demand does not go up at the same amount, then price should go down. Simple concept. I just expressed that there is more capital or more supply coming into the revenue advance market. The challenge is that the demand still outpaces the supply. So supply is going up, but demand is going up just as fast. So I'm not seeing the pressure on rates and terms and processes to help revenue advances realize their potential yet. But trust me, as this capital continues to flow in and business owners, entrepreneurs get smarter about how to use revenue advances and when to use revenue advances, there will come a time very soon when the revenue advance does realize its potential. One of the reasons that they're so popular this is a criteria. It's really simple for revenue advance. You've got credit score, and they will go down to credit scores as low as 520, many of them. They're going to look at your other advances. In other words, there's a situation called stacking in revenue advances. This is where you get one revenue advance, and you get another revenue advance. And I see people out there every day with four, three, five revenue advances. Well, different lenders are going to charge a different cost of capital for a different risk as to what position they're in. In other words, are they the first position lender or the fifth position lender out there? So they're going to want to look at that. That's one of the criteria. And then they're going to look at your deposits. They believe that they have the algorithms that your deposits can become 
the biggest predictor of your capacity and willingness to pay. So they're going to look at the amount of your deposits on a monthly basis. They're going to look at the number of your deposits on a monthly basis. How much are you depositing? Does that reflect what your revenue is? And how many times are you depositing? Do you have too much concentration in your customers? I get asked a question of how much can I expect to get in the far as a loan with a revenue advance? And the answer is, I don't know. That's the first answer. But the real answer is it's going to be some percentage of your monthly sales. And that, as a rule of thumb, you're going to get a loan offer between 50% of your monthly sales and 200% of your monthly sales. There's a wide range there, I understand, but there's also so many lenders that there's a wide range of lenders. We have some trends right now happening that you know are important for you to understand. One of those trends is longer terms. When cash advances or revenue advances or merchant cash advances first came out, you saw a lot of three-month to six-month terms. Okay, That was typical. What I see today is I see three-month all the way up to 18-month terms. Now, that doesn't mean everybody qualifies for those and every lender offers them, but we're seeing longer terms. That is so important to all of us because longer terms represent lower daily or monthly or weekly debt service. The lower debt service, the more our cash flow can support. Very popular concept, very important concept. Another trend that we're seeing is lower rates. Rates are compressing. They're not where I want them to be, but they're starting to compress. You got to be really careful when you're starting to talk about rates in the revenue advance arena. Because in revenue advances, no one quotes, nor do they address an APR or annual percentage rate. Everybody talks about factor rates. So let me give you a very simple example of factor rate. And that example is, if you were to receive a $100,000 advance and you were quoted a 145 factor rate, that means that you borrow 100,000, you pay back 145,000 or 1.45 times what you borrowed. So it has nothing to do with your percentage rate. It's different altogether. You can calculate your percentage rate using that information, but that's what you are dealing with with a factor rate. Now, most of these require a daily payment. And so a daily payment means five payments a week or an average of 20 per month with holidays. Just real simple math. If you were to do a one-year term, at 145 on 100,000, you'd pay back 145,000 and 250 payments if you got a daily or weekly payment. 90% of these are daily payments, but there are many weekly payment options starting to arise too, depending on your situation, your credit. Every provider of cash advances or revenue advances has some form of industry that they simply do not want to do business with, okay? It happens. Unfortunate, but it happens. And it's usually not very quantitative. It's qualitative. They had a bad experience in an industry, and it turned them off to it. So just be careful about you know different industries for different revenue advance companies. 
I'm not saying revenue advances are good or bad. I'm saying they're absolutely neutral. They can be good, they can be bad, but then and of themselves, they've got great potential. They're just not good or bad. They have to be the right situation for you. So I always tell people that for a revenue advance to be a good option for you, the proceeds, the money you get from that advance, you've got to do something with it that changes your cash flow going forward. In other words, you've got to do something that's going to reduce your expenses, increase your revenue, something to change your future cash flow so you can pay for the debt service. And you to do that, to understand it, you've got to clearly define how you're going to use the funds. And then finally, you've got to talk about what the benefits from those funds are going to be. In other words, do the benefits or the income you're going to get outweigh the cost or from the funds? And are you going to have a net positive? If you're going to have a net positive and that's your best option, then it's not a hard decision and it's not good or bad. It's simply good for you at that time. Remember, revenue advances are not the starting point. If you're eligible for a term loan or a line of credit or some form of asset-based solution, that's where we want to start you. But if you're not eligible for those, revenue advances can really work well for you. You know, your capital structure, it's going to evolve. I always talk to people about, you know, what's right for you today is not what's right for you always. So think about this. If revenue advances can be a starting point, but then we improve your profitability, your credit improves up, and we get you a term loan, and that's maybe right for you next year, and so on and so on. But if it's necessary, that's your only option, and a revenue advance, the benefits you're going to get from it outweigh the cost, then it is a great solution for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about them on the other side of the break. I'll be back to you soon. Thank you. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. 
Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Welcome back to Segment 3. I'm Mike, your host. So we were talking about revenue advances, some of the pluses and minuses, and how we use revenue advances to realize the full potential before the break. Now, I want to touch just a little bit on what I consider to be one of the bigger reasons that revenue advances have taken a hit to the way people perceive them in the past, and that is the marketing strategy. These businesses have tended to take what I call the boiler room approach. In other words, they build out a call center with 10 or 20 people, and they just pound you on the phone, per call after call after call, trying to sell you one product, one solution. They don't start with your need in mind. They start with the product in mind. And what we really want to do to make the best decisions is we want to understand your business need before we go sell you a product to fill that need. That makes perfect sense to us as businessmen, right? That's why a better way to approach revenue advances is one part or one piece of a consultative approach that says, look, what is your business need? Here's the array of products you may or may not qualify. Let's get the best one you qualify for to fit your need or to meet your need. We tend to use three things to do that. We use the CLTV model, uh, which I'll talk about later, client lifetime value. Basically, we're making a decision that says, you're not one transaction to me. You're a client over the lifetime of our relationship. So I don't try and make my money all in one transaction. I want to do it over a lifetime of the relationship. Secondly, client acquisition. I think a better way besides these boiler room telemarketing, massive telemarketing organizations is to do client acquisition through providing value-added services, providing information, and then when the client's ready, they'll come to you to help them find the right solution. That doesn't mean I think telemarketing's evil or anything like that. I pick up the phone now and then and call clients to try and engage business. There's nothing wrong with that. But that telemarketing with a single purpose of selling a product, not understanding a need, that's the challenge. And then all solutions have to be situational. So that's my, that's my little bit of speech on how to improve revenue advances. Let's talk about some of the benefits. Look, they're fast. You can get funded in two days. Low documents. I mean, a couple of documents and, and you're funded. Low credit hurdles. Not bad at all, right? Very easy to get done. So there are a lot of benefits to revenue advances. It's just you got to make sure you temper that. I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about the comparison and documentation that you would need for a cash advance versus maybe a private term loan versus maybe a bank loan. Um, one of my lenders put together a document I find really, really helpful because it just narrows it down for me. Uh, real simple here. For a cash advance or a revenue advance, you're going to need three months bank statements, a lot of times six now, and a credit application. That's it. You'll get a funding offer based on that. If you're going to do a term loan or something a little bit different in the private sector, you're going to need a little more information. You'll still need the bank statements and you'll still need the credit app, but you're going to need a a one year's worth of profit and loss statement. You're going to need a balance sheet, a debt schedule, probably two years worth of business tax returns, maybe one year personal tax returns. They're going to want to look at any contracts you have with third parties just in case there's some impediment on assets. 
And they're going to want to look at your AR and AP aging to make sure that there's a balance between your accounts receivable and your accounts payable and that you're taking care of them on a timely basis. Now, if you go to a bank loan, you're going to need all the above, plus you're going to need two more years of profit and loss statements, two more years of balance sheets, one more year of personal or business tax returns, two more years of personal tax returns. They're going to want to see a background check. They're going to want to see personal financial statements. They're going to want to see your resume. They're going to want your business plan, projections, franchise agreements if you have them, articles of incorporation. So if you can see two documents versus 15 documents, you will see that revenue advances really do have their advantages, but it's situational and it must meet your need first. As I said at the, towards the beginning of the show, our team put together a surviving the business loan process guide. It's a video and it's also a short booklet, if you would. I wanted to spend some time giving you that same information on the show today. But if you wanted to look at the video, you can go to our website, www.bizdoccapital.com. And on our uh, videos, we have dozens of them out there. I think the first one listed right now is surviving the business loan process. I, I'm, I try to break things down and make them as simple as possible. Even though getting a business loan is very, very stressful, if we can break it down into basic steps, it reduces the tension, it reduces the stress. So we have broken it down to a four-step process to survive the business loan process. First step, and it's really the first half of the most important decision, which is to borrow or not to borrow. The second step is all about document preparation and underwriting. That's a daunting task, but done well, it can serve you well. Done poorly, it will haunt you. So you got to get it right, and I really recommend that you work ahead of time to do that, and we'll help you with that. Step three, you got to find the best solution available to you given this highly fragmented market. You, you saw just in revenue advances, just one funding solution, thousands of different providers. It's highly fragmented. So you got to figure out how to work your way through that landmine to the right lender. And then we've got to get to the decision. That's step four. So step one, the first half of the decision of to borrow or not to borrow. In this step, you've got to identify the financial benefits you anticipate from receiving the loan. So you're really talking about how am I going to benefit from this loan? And you have to quantify this in dollars. It's very important to take this down to dollars. So you have to say, I'm going to raise my revenue by X. That's going to happen by Z. And I expect those dollars to be flowing at this rate by then. You've got to say, I'm going to reduce expenses maybe by that. When are those expenses going to reduce? How much are they going to reduce by? You really need to tell yourself and you need to help yourself quantify a picture of, if I get this funding, what is it going to do for me? It's so important. That's step one. Step two, we've got to do the documentation and underwriting preparation. It, it, it sounds daunting, and, and I get it, but really, if you just take an hour, and, and we can help you get this done less time probably, you'll be so much better off if you have this already right from the beginning and it's not making your situation less stressful. So being prepared and providing accurate and timely information and reliable information is critical to your funding success. 
underwriting and the loan decision are really based on three areas of interest or influence as we've talked about before. The first is capacity. Can you afford to service the debt? Can you make the payment? The second is collateral. What assets might be available to mitigate the lender's risk in the event of a default? How do they protect themselves? And the third thing that's looked at is credit or character. And this is both the credit and character of the business and the business owner. Look, in today's world of push button, Google, investigate everybody, uh, it's not hard to find out uh, a lot of stuff. So we really encourage people to, look, everybody's got a ding and a dent, maybe more than one or two. Get it out there up front, acknowledge it, move fast it, and go forward. While you have to have a strength in at least one of these areas, that's necessary. You have to either have strong capacity, strong collateral, or strong credit. The more areas you can demonstrate strength in, the better your loan offer will be. And when I say better, I mean better rate, better term. That's important. Saves you money. So you want to demonstrate as much strength in each of those three areas as possible. Depending on the type of funding, there are certain documents you're going to need and expect to ask for. And I'm going to give you the list here. We're going to walk through them briefly. But remember, generally speaking, the more of this you can provide, the better the funding offer you're going to receive. First thing is your tax returns. At least two years of business and one year of personal, unless you've only been in business one year. Tax returns are sort of that, they're, they're not always a reflection of exactly what happens in your business, but they're that ability to sort of take a profit loss statement and say, okay, let's do a reality check here. You saying on your profit loss statement that you made 100000 but you told the U.S. government on your tax return that you had a loss of 3000 We've got to reconcile that. That doesn't make it wrong, illegal, or inappropriate. We just need to reconcile it. That's part of underwriting. We're also going to need interim financial statements. That's a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet. So a profit and loss statement explains generally what happens over a period of time. And a balance sheet is a snapshot of a moment in time. That's the way I always like to think about it. Profit and loss statement over a period of time, balance sheet at a moment in time. Bank statements. And please, complete bank statements with all pages for at least six months. Underwriters are paranoid. If you're missing a page on the bank statements or the last page, or maybe as you say, it's just copies of checks, if they see that they have five pages of nine and they're missing three, they're going to immediately assume the worst. So all pages complete. Accounts receivable aging, if appropriate, Accounts payable aging. How are you paying your bills, and is there a relationship between your payables and your receivables, or is that part of the problem? Going to want a copy of your credit report. I always encourage people to roam their own credit report and turn it in in the early stages themselves. That way their credit doesn't get dinged badly, and they really have um, a, a better chance of protecting themselves. Next. We want to have a completed credit application. And please, make it a complete credit application. I can't tell you how many times people leave parts blank. And yeah, we'll, we'll eventually figure it out. 
But if you complete stuff early on and make the process easier, it's easier for the underwriter, but it's also easier for you. Less stress, less challenges. The next thing you're going to need is a schedule of your debt, a debt schedule of any existing debt. So you're going to want to talk about how much you owe, who much you owe, who you owe it to, and what the payments are. We're going to continue on with step two when we get back from our break here in just a moment. I look forward to seeing you on the other side of this break. Talk to you soon. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Welcome back to our final segment of this week's episode of Small Business Capital America. I'm your host, Mike, and when we left off prior to the break, we were in the second step of the Surviving a Business Loan Process Guide. So we left off with a schedule of small, a schedule of your debt, a debt schedule, if you would, of any existing debt is an important underwriting document. Next, we need an asset listing. List out all the business assets, original value, current market value, and how much you owe on them. You're going to want a personal financial statement, which is basically the balance sheet for you personally versus your business. So it's going to list your personal assets, of which the business is likely one. You're going to list your personal liabilities, and that's going to come up with your personal equity or what's described as net worth. The next thing you need is any entity formation documents, depending on your state, your type of entity you have. You're going to need your Articles of Formation, Articles of Incorporation. We're going to look for you to gather any licenses necessary to be in your profession. So if you have professional licenses that are necessary, gather them now. They're going to be asked for as part of the underwriting, likely. Insurance documents. We want to make sure that, given your industry, you have the proper amount of insurance, which may be very negligible or it may be very important. We're going to want to talk about the use of funds. You need to provide a document 
telling the lender, how are you going to use those funds? You need to be simple, direct, somewhat specific, and you need to be able to repeat that same information in an interview with the lender because eventually they're going to want to talk to you. And guess what? If you told them in the use of funds information when you applying for the loan that you were going to use the funds to grow sales and it turns out you're refinancing some other debt with the funds, you've got a challenge. You wasted some time for the underwriter, some time for yourself, and you may have lost a deal. So make sure that you can a consistent use of funds throughout the process. If it changes because there's a legitimate change in your business need, that's okay, but be real upfront about it. As one of my lending partners famously puts it, complete and accurate documents, the financial picture if you would, can make the difference between a 6% interest rate and a 130% interest rate. So this stuff's important. Get it right. We can help you do it. Step three, once you've done the documentation and you know what the benefit will be of a lending, step three is finding the best lender for your situation given a highly fragmented lending environment. We put it in the article, because of the highly fragmented market in small business lending, we recommend you work with a professional who has access to and knowledge of the funding landscape to guide you through the process. Real simple here. Get with a professional who already has access to these thousands of solutions and help let them help guide you through not only lender selection, but the process itself. So you know what's neat about this? And here's a really powerful thing. Most times, the lender's paying that professional to help you. So take advantage of it. Get them to work on your behalf. The final step in surviving the lending process is the decision. Yes, the dreaded decision. As you get offers, compare the best rate and term you're offered given your situation. Which one of the offers or offer that you get, what is the best rate and term? What is the cost of capital? And you're going to compare that cost of capital to the benefit of borrowing you identified in step one and real simple here, if the benefit from step one outweighs the cost of the capital from the best offer you're eligible for, then the decision's easy. You can rest easy, move forward with the funding, grow your business, and these are the kinds of things that become powerful, powerful for you. I want to spend time now, with your permission, talking a little bit about BizDoc, our consulting organization, and what we do to try and help with rented and printed capital and what makes us different. I want to talk about not just on behalf of BizDoc, but on behalf of others who do things like what we do to help make your business better. That's really our mission. So how are we different? I talked about it earlier. We use the CLTV model, Client Lifetime Value. I don't think about making my money off of one transaction with you. I want a relationship that provides return for me and return for you over the life of the relationship. Client acquisition. I don't run a call center with 20 people pounding the phones all day long selling one product, whether that's the right one to meet your need or not. We try to identify client need first, then provide the product. 
situational solutions, if you would. We want to make sure that we understand the need and that that need is met with the right product. So one of the things that we do is we actually have a division within our organization where we do credit repair. So think about it. If early stages you don't qualify for a term loan, but the benefits of you getting capital outweigh the cost of perhaps a revenue advance, let's get you the money you need to work with now, but then let's put you in credit repair and let's turn around and six months later, three months later, whenever it is the right time, and let's come back and let's get you into a better form of capital. We're going to evolve that as your situation evolves. So credit repair, that's a big part of what we do. Uh, it's a service we provide, and it really meets the need for certain clients. So I want to understand your need. We obviously do business loans. We broker and uh, consult on and do some direct lending. Uh, that's a big part. We do term loans, lines of credit, revenue advances, asset-based funding. We do all of those different types of funding. We do business savings programs. So we're going to help find ways to save money on your taxes, save money on your operating costs. We're rolling out the BizDoc Academy in June. That is basically a free, the Khan Academy of uh, business learning, I guess, if you would. Uh, you'll like it. It's very straightforward, very practical advice, and a lot of resources included. We do peer groups. Wouldn't it be wonderful to sit with a group of fellow business owners or have an online session, there's a novel idea, with a group of fellow business owners that you become intimate friends and trusted advisors with on a monthly basis. You become each other's board of directors. We facilitate those groups. It's a powerful exchange of ideas, and nobody holds another business owner accountable like a fellow business owner. Finally, we do CFO and CEO leasing. Uh, think about it this way, a timeshare on a CFO. So many small business owners are getting to the point where they think they want a CFO, but they don't want to go out and spend the 150000 or whatever it is per year to get a high-quality CFO. So they go out and they get a bookkeeper for thirty or 40000 and expect them to do CFO work. Well, that person's frustrated, the business owner's frustrated, and nothing really gets accomplished. So what if we could provide you with the quality and vibrancy of a CFO, but do it at the price of a bookkeeper or less. And we can do that through timeshare or CFO leasing. All these are powerful resources. Some are about printing capital, profits if you would, and some are about external capital, that rented capital, loans, whatever it may be to introduce external capital. I encourage you to visit our website, reach out via email. So we'll have to save our key terms for, uh, for another day. Coming up soon on shows, next week's show is all about equipment finance. And on the 10th, we're going to talk about term loans, lines of credit, accounts receivable lines, and inventory lines of credit. On the 17th of May, we're going to do a session on business savings and on the 24th of May, we're going to continue on with business savings and talk more about credit repair 
in detail. Those are the upcoming shows. We have 30 or 40 other ideas for subjects coming up very soon for you. I do appreciate your time. I respect your input. Please email me with anything you'd like to hear better, differently, or more of. I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a terrific week. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune into Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Best wishes, and we'll talk again next week.